Jam Jar Jill podcast. I'm Jill of jamjarjill.com. I also am a virtual assistant over at JJG VA Services. So if you need any help with your business needs, please give me a shout. And this is the third stem to my sort of brand family. This is the Jam Jar Jill podcast, which I am very excited to be developing on a monthly basis, talking to some wonderful, interesting people in the holistic and well-being space, yoga space, natural health, etc. This month's guest is Laura and I met Laura through the yoga community which I'm in. I've been practicing yoga myself for 20 some years and I've met Laura through one of my yoga teachers and I've actually been to a retreat of hers which she's done in collaboration with two other people, one of which is going to be next month's guest who's a shiatsu massage person and also a yoga teacher was the other person and Laura is a holistic therapist and spiritual healer. I'm just really excited for this conversation because it's not something which I know a lot about but the intention for this conversation is just to break down exactly what Laura does, all the various different offerings she has within her business, just to kind of talk it all through in layman's terms so we can all get an understanding of just what she brings to the world through her business, through her therapy, through her intentions. So just really excited about all that. Should we start with just a basic bio? Firstly, if you talk about what you do with your business, and then if we then go back and work out how you got to do that, if that's okay. Sure. Hello. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's really um, a pleasure to be here. So yeah, I'm a holistic therapist and my professionalism really is spiritual therapy and I see clients one-to-one or in group meditations or group workshops group retreats and what I do is I intuitively heal any blocks or issues in people's lives that are really stopping them thriving in the world I feel really passionate about people thriving being the best their best selves, being able to enjoy life and experience, yeah, all the good that there is. So there are three ways I I work mainly, there are others as well, but one is called Ignite Your Spirit Therapy, and that is a modality that was designed by Shakti Durga, a um, spiritual teacher in Australia, and that involves a combination of breath work, affirmations, and energetic clearing they're the main components so actually clearing sort of the meridians the chakras the aura the energy body I'll talk a bit about that later because that isn't really layman's terms and I realize that might not be so clear for everybody another modality I offer to clients is crystal dreaming I'm a crystal dreaming practitioner advanced practitioner and crystal dreaming teacher Crystal dreaming is a shamanic journey where the client will come and lie in a mandala of crystals and will be able to enter an alternate reality to clear blockages that they won't be aware of. So it could be things in this life that have been blocked out. It could be things from past lives. It's a little bit more out there, crystal dreaming. I love it. It fascinates me. It's the world of the unseen and it allows clients to 
experience that themselves. Mm -hmm. So they're the two one-to-one -one healing modalities I do. And then I run group meditation, but my meditation is an intuitive healing meditation style. I sometimes run others, but generally that's the style I run. And whoever comes to whichever group, the healing will be based around that and the people there and what's coming forth in that group. Wonderful. So do you offer all three, both online and in person? Yes. Crystal dreaming, obviously, if the client wants to come and experience the journey themselves, they need to be physically with me in the same room. But I am able, as an advanced practitioner, able to offer distance crystal dreaming. And I can offer it on buildings and other places I'm not near. Wow. So interesting. So interesting. So, okay. So I'm trying to make note as, uh, as I'm going along. So if you think I'm like typing, that's why. Because I'm just yeah. like, I don't want to forget what you're saying. Okay. So then my next question, just before we get into the detail of it all, is how did you come to all this in your own life and why? Yeah, good question. It's interesting, isn't it? Where, where we end up, I guess, where we think we'll be, you know, when we're children, what we dream Ooh. we're going to going to grow up to be so I guess I've always had an interest in philosophy psychology politics theology those kind of big thinking questions that's always been part of me but really it wasn't until um yeah my 30s when I really knew that there was something different I should be doing but I didn't really know what it was my background was in retail buying I had some amazing roles in retail buying loved Loved it to some extent, but also knew that I didn't love it as much as I kind of should love it or could love it or that someone else would love it. Mm. Yeah, I worked for Habitat, which is an amazing homeware store and was traveling yeah. the world, sourcing products for them and the products are beautiful. Yeah. It was, you know, it was most people's dream job and it just didn't feel like it was my truth. Yeah. So, so I started soul searching a bit. And I'd had some alternate therapy myself. So in my 20s, I'd um, had viral fatigue that couldn't be shifted by the doctors, you know, that led to sort of depression and other things that wasn't shifting. I had Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and then I moved on to homeopathy. And I found homeopathy really worked and worked well for me and worked well for my son. And so I started studying homeopathy, knowing almost that it wasn't really my truth, but it was something closer to where I wanted to be. It was one of those stepping stones. And around the same time, a friend of mine in Australia, a really good friend from university, was taking a retreat to India, a spiritual retreat. And I'd done like one or two meditations with her. I was always interested in her work. She was a spiritual teacher, but she was in Australia and I was in the UK. And this is back before smartphones. So, you know, we weren't, we were emailing each other once a month or something, you know, there wasn't the contact. Yeah, anyway, I saw in a newsletter or social media or something that she was taking a retreat to um, India. And this part of me inside just went, you have to go. Hmm. And so I was like, wow, okay. And interestingly, she called me up, yeah, like a, a while later, like, yeah, after I'd been pondering it and said, hey, when I keep thinking about my retreat to India, you keep coming to mind. I think you're meant to be there. I'm and Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm feeling too. But I have work. I've, you know, a single parent and, 
at the time my mum worked full-time in London and so there were all these logistics but I said yeah I want to go so let's see if things can fall into place and literally yeah. everything went pop 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 my yeah. mum was like yeah I can take that week off like she was very inflexible but she that week worked how um, interesting yeah and some it money literally like it was meant to be oh it completely was meant to be yeah like I needed the money to even be manifested and this big chunk of money came through I can't quite remember from what and you know all this stuff and my work were like yep go I went to India and I was really like what am I doing here <laughs> I was kind of like I, I don't really know what everyone's talking about I don't I don't know what it would be. Can like I just backtrack a tiny bit? Sorry. Yeah. Um, because you just mentioned at the very beginning that you had something called viral fatigue. Could you just explain oh, yeah. what that is just before we go into how you healed it? So people could understand it because I haven't heard of that. So. Oh, okay. So viral fatigue is um, like long COVID, anything where you have a virus and you just can't shift the exhaustion that follows it. Okay. So it's a physical yeah. thing more than a mental thing, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a physical thing, but because you're exhausted and run down, it can lead to, you know, depression or... Sure. So yeah, it, the um, acupuncture really shifted that for me. It was really... Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that really worked. And then I moved on to homeopathy. And homeopathy, I think when I started working with homeopathy, there was more of the emotional was brought in. Yeah. Um, yeah, but still it wasn't enough for me. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I'm still probably seeing the homeopath at this time and working with that and yeah. go off to India mm -hmm. on a spiritual retreat to spend 10 days in an ashram in southern India. And I, yeah, as I was saying, I was kind of really like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. The other people on the retreat were training to be holistic therapists. I think mm -hmm. all of them were. I was like the real newbie. Yeah, some of them already were trained therapists. They'd all been doing a lot of deep spiritual work. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, it was, it was a wonderful group. They looked after me so much. They really cared for me. And I had the most mind-blowing, life-changing experience. Yeah, I went from really wondering what I was doing there, questioning it all, wondering if God was real, wondering if, yeah, I was kind of being conned or tricked or, yeah, like my mind was on overtime. And then I found a moment of absolute deep peace and acceptance. And it's actually mm -hmm. a story that's been published in a book, um, Unfolding mm -hmm. Journeys. And it's entitled um, Finding God on the Cricket Pitch. Okay. And the quick summary is that I was sitting in like by a wasteland, you know, like just a wasteland watching these boys playing cricket. They were playing with makeshift, you know, equipment and they were just having a lovely time and as I sat there I kind of had an epiphany of realizing that yeah that everything I've been searching for was real was inside of me was here it was just a life it's very hard to put into words but it was a life-changing moment and everything kind of dissolved and then later that day or the next day I had a very clear download which said, you're a holistic therapist, you know, you're a spiritual healer, that's your calling in life, that's what you're here to do, mm. our training. So, so that was really like cool. a message which sort of came into your head, in layman's terms, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so in layman's terms, it was like, yeah, like the strongest thought form you could imagine, like, you know, when you just think things, I don't know, even like, 
oh wow I must go turn the bath taps off you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it yeah it was in words and it was in um yeah Sri Shaktiyama who my guru um in India they came into my head and told me that so it felt like a very clear message from them like the audience who doesn't necessarily know about the whole guru thing and everything like that I mean I know bits of it and I'm perhaps a little bit ashamed to say that where I know it from is from Eat Pray Love but just oh, yeah. people like a thing which you might have seen or read which I mean I love that book and I love Elizabeth Gilbert yeah so Eat Pray Love is a really um yeah really great reference for this experience yeah. I've had yeah um, she went for many months Elizabeth Gilbert mm -hmm. you know she took this year and went but yes mine was condensed into 10, ten days it was the praying part of the Eat Pray Love so yeah like I guess I've you know spent many years of my life enjoying food I've done eating or I do eating mm -hmm. I'm good at that yeah 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 <laughs> The praying like was, you know, I guess it's now part of my life, but that was the 10 days sort of like boom. And interestingly, I got given this message, you need to learn to love yourself. Yeah, so yeah. That, that was like the following bit. Okay, it was like, mm -hmm. what is the path to spiritual healing? How do mm -hmm. I become a healer? And the answer that came through was learn to love yourself. That's and amazing. Was, yeah, wow. I was like, don't I love my, oh, I don't love myself. You know, like it was a bit of an epiphany. Yeah. I'd never about it again so yeah so if anyone's seen a eat pray love that's kind of yeah yeah so and and just in terms of like gurus so gurus are like i guess in in eastern culture in indian culture specifically is it or um i yeah like not not necessarily but i guess that's where it originated and so are they aligned to one particular religion or one particular um, yeah so it, it's interesting really because you can have a spiritual teacher and a spiritual guru in any you know from any background it's not really about about the path it's more about the amount of light they can hold and that they are able to be one with the divine so they're, so they're kind of like your middleman between the divine or middle woman yeah <laughs> exactly. the divine and you being just human kind of yeah the general gist I'm just trying well, to break it down in very layman's terms as best as I can <laughs> yeah no that's really good so we have this sort of metaphor for Shakti Durga who is you know a guru in her own mind my spiritual teacher that she's a little bit like an adapter plug so if you want to plug into Krishna, you can go through Shakti Durga. If you want to plug into Jesus, you can go through Shakti Durga. If you want to plug into Buddha, you can go through Shakti Durga. So the guru will take you to God, the divine, in any flavour that works for you. Okay. And I guess some paths might be more, you know, straight up and down. But my path is very multi-faith, very open. Shakti Amma, who I visited in India, is known as an avatar, and an avatar is more than a guru. An avatar is an embodiment of God. Okay. So, much like I just to show how little I know about these things, I do apologize, but no, like, no, it's it's just, weird it's avatar to me, and I think of the James Cameron movie. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> That's clearly um, not what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's slightly different. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I was exactly, this is how I was when I went to India. Everyone else yes. never seen, I knew nothing. Yeah. So I was, don't apologise. But yes, it is, you know, I still sometimes, 
that I can't quite get my head around of the fact that I've sat at the feet of, you know, a being that embodies God, you know, much the way that Jesus did, much the way mm. that... And that's yeah, the or that's the avatar? That, that's an avatar. That's an avatar, okay. Yes, Sri Shakti Amar is an avatar and a guru. Like, if you're an avatar, you can be a guru and a spiritual teacher. You know, you can be all of the other things, yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't yeah. feel like I don't get any of what you but it's, it's, it's good to sort of break it down and me ask kind of silly questions because hopefully then the conversation yeah. people listen to it will get more understanding. No, I mean, exactly. Do keep asking because I very much forget that it's a different world. And there's also, you know, this thing called, a, you know, like a, a shelf you can park things on. So if things don't make sense, it's okay. We don't have to understand everything. And it's just like, okay, I'll park that one. Don't really yeah. get that one let's see what I can get you know and I read quite um a few spiritual books that have scientific sort of elements in it and how mm -hmm. science and spiritualism come together and with the science I do that oh I'll park the science I can't <laughs> get my head around it it's not my home base so yeah yeah that's really interesting I mean just to tell like the way I describe myself and my experience of spirituality in and, you know, if you get that tick box question of like, what religion do you associate yourself with? You know, I was brought up without any religion myself, but there was religions in both sides of my family going back generation on dad's side. It was Christian and on mum's side. It was Jewish, but both sort of left the religion, the previous generation to them. So right. you didn't really know that much about it. I never was taught about religion in any way, really. The only one which kind of appealed to me ever was Buddhism. And I'm actually going back and looking at that a little bit now because I just love the idea of enlightenment. And, and I do kind of feel like there is something bigger, but I don't want to kind of label it or confirm exactly what it is personally. So that's why I kind of refer to myself as a spiritual, a spiritual agnostic. So because to me like faith and religion are two different things and religion is something that human beings have created around faith which yeah. sometimes is good sometimes is bad you know generally speaking I don't have a problem with personal faith whatever your chosen flavor it is what I have a problem with is you preaching to me and telling me you must believe this you must practice it in this way yeah I just think that's what kind of causes lot of the problems personally so I just wanted to sort of put that in there that and then the other thing which I always think as well is someone who innately asks a lot of questions that's probably why I do what I do is that really in terms of what happens to us after we die it's all speculation until it actually happens so you can have an idea of what you think might happen but like, yeah. and that's why the agnostic thing makes sense to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I get, I get that. Yeah, and until yeah, and I guess that was my path was one through experiencing it and a feeling of knowing so deeply inside myself. Mm. Um, and for many years, there was a lot, a lot of questioning, and it was like it wasn't just like a hundred percent faith boom came in because I came from a agnostic atheist background you know mm. I was very anti-religion growing up I was you know brought up in a Christian household or my dad's side of the family definitely was my dad was yeah fairly preachy about it all mm. um, 
and so yeah that I guess the balance was more questions question questions and then you know the faith would come in the trust as my life transformed as I followed the practices as they worked for me and as I sort of felt at home with them and now I would say there's much less questioning there's much more faith but of course that's the mind's job that's the brain's job whenever you know we're given something new it's mm. good to question it it's kind of good to you know feel it out because yeah you know, work out where it's coming from but then something like I, I you know you do hear the answer that people say you know faith is just believing it without evidence as well you hear people say that so how do yeah, you feel so, about that well it's not necessarily I guess the word evidence is interesting isn't it mm. because I'm not talking about hard factual evidence I'm talking about my experience of my life improving of my happiness improving mm. of seeing the lives of people around me change so yes there's yeah so the faith is knowing that all will be well but I don't know how it will be well I don't know which direction it will go in um mm. so it's a combination of having faith and I guess surrendering but there's there's no hard evidence in the way that you know if I get a piece of lego and add another piece of lego to it there's two bits of lego right we can see mm. that and they're the senses we're brought up but for me I feel like more than the physical is real like mm -hmm. my healing like what I can see on the inner plane what I can see like in the kind of I guess dreaming is the closest thing that most people come to it like an inner landscape what comes through to me um, and what gets confirmed I guess in the clients I work with and how it affects and changes their life along as you know my own personal healing journey that to me is evidence you know, but some people might say oh, it's speculation or it's, you know, or, or it's a placebo or it's this or it's that, of course. And I'm just like, yeah, that's if that's what you want to believe, that's what you want to think. That's completely fine. But this is what I think that's how I feel about faith as well, about personal faith is that to me, there's I wish people kind of made more reference points of all the similarities between all the religions and all the different mm. faiths, because say, for example, praying in all its different forms versus um, meditating versus gratitude journaling even if you're not religious versus you know putting your prayers out there journaling all these things is putting what's in your head out there as an intention intention setting mm -hmm. you know trying to put positive thoughts into the universe and energy and if you you know have a sick family member or friend and you're you're everyone's thinking I really hope you get better I really you know I do believe that those things do make a difference and and that is something which you yeah, know completely yeah and, and I don't think it's not like if you go to a catholic church and pray it's going to be better than if you go into a temple mm. and offer prayer or that if you go and sit in nature and offer your you know your per own personal reflections and offerings they are all yeah. Yeah, valid. I love I love how your whole path is is multi, multi, yeah, like faith yeah. and everything. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And you know, I've been to India on a yoga retreat myself as well, and talked to some local people. And even if they labelled themselves as a particular religion, I remember talking to this one guy who ran a shop and. I can't remember where he was now, whether he was Muslim or Buddhist. And, but he was like, oh, yeah, I'm Muslim, but, for example, but I'm reading the Bible and I'm studying um, Buddha and 
and obviously I know about that and it was just like the whole thing was just really interesting and the other thing sorry I'm just kind of thinking things as I come up from what you've been saying but the other thing I did at uni was I took a year of introduction to philosophy which was really interesting and that, and I do think that's the thing as well about I remember the first class where they kind of blew our minds entirely because they were like, okay, so this table, which I'm sitting on at the front of the class, how do you know it's there? And we were like, well, because we can see it. Okay. But what if you didn't have eyes? Well, I'd touch it. Okay. But what if you couldn't feel things? How do you know it's there? And it, it's such a simple question, but then, you know, it does make you question kind yeah. of everything really and it's 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 fascinating how as you said you know we're so brought up on these senses these five senses which obviously are fundamental mm. but it's understanding but it's my it doesn't idea. necessarily end there yeah 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 and, and there's a great debate at the moment around what consciousness is mm. you know is consciousness more than the mind more than the brain and science is beginning to catch up with spirituality and they you know yes like they've done you know people that have been brain dead on you know in hospitals registered brain dead and yet they've still got activity they've got consciousness they've got memory and mm -hmm. death experience is a great example of that that the consciousness doesn't stop when people die you know like people can be clinically dead for half an hour maybe longer and their consciousness doesn't change so mm -hmm. yeah it's fascinating and i don't no way do I think I fully understand it at all. No, I think there's so many different things. I think, you know, and it comes from, you know, people asking questions and people continuing to develop things through questioning. What you just said there did um, remind me of the Grey's Anatomy episode I watched the other week, which I know it's fictional, but they do generally base a lot of the things on science which is coming through at the time and there was a, a woman who had been in an accident and she was in a coma and they thought she was brain dead and then they worked out that if they talked to her on a scan different parts of her brain lit up when she right. talked about different things and so they were like think about your bedroom and a certain part of her brain lit up and think about being on a beach and another part of her brain lit up and and then the person was like well oh so your bedroom is yes and the beach is no and I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and even oh, though yeah. she couldn't see and she couldn't like she was basically lying there in a coma her brain was still like bing 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 and like had a whole conversation and it was kind of yeah. I was like whoa amazing mm -hmm. so I mean, it's stuff like that. I imagine, you know, I haven't obviously looked up the science behind the episode, but yeah, it's interesting how, and then you get into the whole, like, obviously I've been into yoga for so many years and I love the idea of mother nature. I love the healing. I love energy, you know, and everything like that. And I find that all really fascinating too. So it's just how, how you give energy out. And I actually, I don't know if you remember this, um, or even if you were a fan of Gloria Estevan back in the day, were you? Did you know her music? No, I mean, music is definitely not my, my go-to for anything, but I might, yeah, I mean, obviously I know the name. <laughs> yeah, so she, she was like, I think she was Cuban originally, but she was like the one who brought so South American music to the mainstream and everything. Okay. And um, But she was in a horrendous 
accident when she was on tour and she almost died and she was in a um, coma at the time and she so described it afterwards because she did fully recover that people's prayers and people's thoughts were like she could feel it like electricity and wow. it she like completely and just knowing how many people loved her and connected with her yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and wanted her to heal it literally gave her body energy to heal which I found that quite beautiful yeah. I mean, there, were, there are some really great studies that have been done on collective meditation and how it works so rather than it being like 16 times one people meditating, mm. it's actually that 16 squared meditating. So the power exponentially increases the more people that do. And also then I guess the more powerful a person is that can meditate. And the ones I love the most is when, when the Dalai Lama visits a city, the climate mm. the city drop, there are like, there are stats to completely prove that. Wow. So the Dalai Lama embodies so much light that when he's in a city, it just radiates out. Crime rates drop. I mean, how awesome Amazing. is that? So if you think about the power of that, then yes, of course, the power of people praying for Joy Estefan, mm. you know, it's going to exponentially work. And um, I just yeah. think that's fascinating. All, I think everything that you do is fascinating. So I'm just so <laughs> loving this conversation. I think it's wonderful. Oh, and I just think... Um, yeah, I mean, the whole piece around conscious versus subconscious. And I find it fascinating what you're saying about the crossover between spirituality and science and everything. And because the other thing which I just wanted to bring in as well is that I um, kind of had a little bit of a taste of the subconscious side of things because I've done talk therapy to deal with various stuff which I've dealt with over time. And then I, I do find a calling to do hypnotherapy just to go deeper yeah. and I've done one set of it and to be honest I just need to save up the finances to do it again but I do find it such a shame that it isn't offered on the NHS because I do think that there is you know so much that it could give people it's just interesting mm -hmm. how I just that one session I did just through getting me into that you know trance-like state I then just automatically went deeper and went straight to the source of what the problem was. And I found it so much more healing than talking consciously. So subconsciously yeah. versus consciously. If you're talking consciously, I always come to the point with talk therapy where I was like, I don't know what to say to you anymore. And especially when you do those six week standards things, which you yeah. do, and they're like, right, so how are you this week? And you just feel like you're going through the motions. Or and you, you know why? That's because like 95% of us is unconscious. The conscious right. part of us is absolutely tiny. And that's, you know, that's a fact that's been sort of scientifically proven. And this is why if we want to change, if we really want to do the work, we need to be able to access that unconscious in some way for it to be powerful. And, and that's why I think affirmations, fine, but they're only touching that 5% unless you're getting into the unconscious. You know, changing your habits, changing your behaviours, it's really hard if you haven't got your unconscious on board. And your unconscious is formed by the time you're seven years old. So that is why they say, you know, those first informative years. And of course, you know, the patterns continue to then play out and go into your unconscious. But yeah, I get layman's question. Yeah. Is unconscious and subconscious two different things? 
and they're interchangeable in the way I'm speaking. They may, okay. some people may differentiate, I'm not. Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I just found that's fascinating. So how did you come to that or how has it been decided that, what did you say 95% of you is yeah. And it's, yeah, it's different for different people, obviously, yeah. but there have been studies and I haven't got the references for them. I'll see if I can find them and I can send yeah. you some afterwards. But cool. yeah, like The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton's a really good book. And what's the other book that's come to my mind that is really good? Oh, I might have to tell you that afterwards. There are these two yeah, books that I've couple of years that say that and a lot of yeah a lot of the work I do and the study I do often repeat these kind of facts then you know a lot of people in my field sort of know that but I haven't actually got the source of it but it's uh, okay not yeah it's interesting yeah. it's fascinating really and then I guess the so skeptical adult side of me is like okay so do they only allow you to do talk therapy through the National Health Service. Why is that? Is that because they want people to remain in that space where they don't fully go there? Or is it just no, because the people or is it, you know, what the is people it? That are in charge, you know, like the most people in the UK, if we're talking about National Health Service, it's the UK, mm. you know, we're really lucky, I guess, that we have free yeah, health. We are. Yes, we are. Um, but it's very much, you know, it's where's it come from, right? It's, it's come mm. from the physical, it's come from, and then they've gone, okay, actually, there's more than the physical, there's mm. the psychological, we need to offer therapy. And so it's, you know, that if people have trauma or these effects that they do get, you know, psychotherapy or speak, you know, talk therapy, mm. and that can be really powerful, but I think it can also depend on each individual therapist. Individual. But it's also, I guess, limited in some ways but it's very regulated it's you know it's kind of very safe but I do hold a vision that one day many many more alternative therapies will be mainstream and yeah you know <laughs> we'll private health insurance will be covered by the NHS you know I'm definitely holding yeah. a vision that the NHS survives our lifetime our children's lifetime mm. you know I, I sort of yeah and that also you know, I, I guess I can feel into, you know, or go up that, that sort of um, theory really around, is it money driven? Is it this, is it that? When we're talking about pharmaceuticals, but I think that's a whole bigger question. Yeah. Than right now. But one I think, for another, one for another day. <laughs> but I ultimately believe wherever it is now, that there was an intention that yeah. it worked and it was helpful and this was the right thing. And then whatever. Well, I think, I think you're absolutely right in what you said about it coming from a physical place of cradle to grave. That's where it came yeah. from. And it was about protecting your body and, uh, and its invention was before people really had an understanding of mental health. And there's still a lot of work to be done in that space. So I think that's a good sort of summary. <laughs> it could be moving in the right in yeah. that you know so we can hold that we can manifest that and see that yeah yeah right brilliant okay so do you want to now do so laura's going to do a healing on me just so you guys know just a basic one and then what we're going to do is then sort of break down what that is and i'm going to ask all my layman's questions again about what it's all about so yeah let's jump in and yeah so this is really going to demonstrate how I scan energy how I perceive energy 
what I see that's going on and then how I would clear stuff out. And I can't tell you what's going to happen because until I drop in, one question people say to me a lot, hey, when you're walking down the street, when you're sitting with people, can you tell? And I'm like, no, not really. Not unless I choose to. Um, you kind of, can you just describe what dropping in means? Dropping into an altered state. So like you're talking about the hypnotherapy, taking mm. you to an altered state. But that's not that I'm going to go into a trance. I'm not. I am literally going to tune in. Yeah, it's like tuning a radio, tune, you know, like old fashioned radio, tuning the TV from the static to get the picture. Mm -hmm. um, that's really it, because okay. I think if I lived tuned in all the time, it would be really kind of confusing. I don't want to tune into people unless they're my clients, unless I'm working with them. And I guess quite draining, because is it, is it? Or is no, it not really, because, because it's not me doing it, it's the divine. Okay. okay. So it's the ultimate source energy. Yeah, so no. Okay, I'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah, so I would just sort of say, just take your awareness to your breath and begin to relax. And if you possible at all, just let go of the fact that, you know, this is part of a podcast, this is being recorded and just coming back to yourself and you, good. So I'm scanning Jill's crown chakra and I can feel that yes, she has some good energy in her crown chakra, but I do feel there's a potential for that to grow. So if you just send your awareness to any um, kind of part of unconditional love or <clears throat> any aspect of, you know, your faith, your just kind of connecting in with that. So the part of you that believes in more than, yeah, good, okay. So I can feel that's getting much stronger as you just, that's like you tuning in. Good. Okay, your Ajna chakra, your third eye, the seat of your intuition, feels quite weak today. So we'll have a look at that. Yeah, and actually all the chakras as I go down, your crown chakra is nice and strong, but the rest are not as strong. So I'll start with your third eye. So seeing electric violet light coming into your third eye, white light with electric violet flex, breathing that in and repeat these words. I now release. I now release. Any and all blocks. Any and all blocks. Sitting in my third eye. Sitting in my third eye. Which are preventing me. Which are preventing me. From being fully connected with my intuition. From being fully connected with my intuition. Breathing into the third eye. And now breathing out, releasing out. So just intending that the breath can move out of that part of the body. That's it. That's good. I do know that you can't breathe out of your... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so repeat this affirmation. I release all fear. I release all fear. That I will be hoodwinked. I will be hoodwinked. And conned. And conned. And lose all sense of my truth. And lose all sense of my truth. Breathing in and letting go through the third eye. So I can feel in your third eye this fear of trusting, this fear of connecting in a 
well, what if it is all nonsense? I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to, um, you know, go down the wrong path. I think it's better that I stay safe. Stay, you know, like in what I know. It's safer in what I know. It's safer in what. Um, and that's obviously not your whole truth, because if it's your whole truth, you wouldn't be interviewing me, you wouldn't be so interested. <laughs> but there is this element. So I'd ask now if you could just feel into any part of that in yourself where you just think, yeah, actually, I do, I do worry that I could be gullible or I worry that I could have it wrong. And sending love and compassion to that part of self. And just say, it's okay to try new things. It's okay to try new things. I'm open. I'm open. And I always know myself. And I always know myself. Breathing in, releasing out of the third eye. That feels better. And so just reassuring yourself that becoming more intuitive, opening up your intuition is not going to lose any of your other senses, any of your other sensibilities. It's like, and you get this, not it's a choice between, you know, you don't have to choose between being, you know, a virtual assistant in the world and offering support to businesses, being a yoga hippie, you know, like you can yeah. be like, you can be both. <laughs> Sounds good. Good. Right. Great. So there's more energy now in your Ajna Chakra. Great. So breathing into your Ajna Chakra, feeling energy coming in. Just say, I trust my intuition. I trust my intuition. I trust my higher self. I trust my higher self. I allow my guidance to come in. I allow my guidance to come in. Good, breathing in and expanding. So just like holding that energy in your Ajna Chakra and then asking that it expand and then breathing normally. Good. Okay, good. So now the throat chakra, there's energy flowing through there, which is good. Let's go down to the heart. So the heart's depleted. So the heart's our centre of love and yeah, so just being aware of any sadness, any grief, anywhere where you're keeping yourself closed hearted and knowing that we do that to keep ourselves safe really. It's like, you know, it, it's something I guess as, as humans we do, it's, you know, when we have big heartbreaks, our heart, you know, does cl collapse and it's why people actually can on their death certificate it can say they've died of a broken heart you know you hear about it that in old age one one person dies and then their spouse may die quite relatively soon and on the death certificate it can say a broken heart because yeah i think it's the physical heart and our ability to love are so closely connected okay so just um being aware of yeah, anything yours. Repeat, I now choose to release. I now choose to release. All fear of heartache. All fear of heartache. All disappointment. All disappointment. And grief in my heart. And grief in my heart. Breathing in. And breathing out front and back of the heart. 
Good, the front's moving, energy's releasing, the back not so much. Okay, good, the heart's bigger. Let's just feel what's going on in the back. And I can actually like see the back of the heads of your little boys. So not clearly, I can kind of see their, what the metaphor or the image that's coming to me is of them sort of like playing, but running away from you. And the running away is quite interesting. I'm wondering if you've been feeling any sadness around them growing up or, you know, becoming more independent, if that's um, anything you're aware of. Does, does that relate at all? Um, sorry, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to answer. Um, yes, I think that's always like the contradiction in parenthood is that on the one hand, it feels like you want them to be a bit more independent and not so reliant on you. But on the other hand, as soon as they are, then you're just like, oh my gosh, you don't need me anymore kind of thing. So yeah, um, yeah I do. Yeah. I agree. I think yeah. it's a constant. Okay, so just being well, aware of that bit that sort of, yeah says don't don't grow up don't abandon me yeah just, yeah just say i release all fear i release all fear of my boys abandoning me of my boys abandoning me not needing me not needing me and leaving me and leaving me breathing in and breathing out and that's so amazing as i said that like in my you know what i'm seeing it was that they, they turn around and grin and just ran at you with their arms open. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's lovely when you see stuff like that. Okay. And then let's also release that other, you know, the other thing you mentioned around the feeling overwhelmed at motherhood and, you know, desperate for, for a little bit more, you know, <clears throat> independence, I guess, for you. So repeat, I now choose to release. I now choose to release. All, yeah, all desire. All desire. For my boys to grow up quicker than they're ready. For my boys to grow up quicker than they're ready. Breathing in, breathing out through the heart, the throat, and the solar plexus, which is where the ribs meet, a bit lower than the heart. Good. And repeat, I release all frustration. And release all frustration. From any time motherhood has felt exhausting. From any time motherhood has felt exhausting. Monotonous. Monotonous. And never ending. And never ending. Breathing in, breathing out of the solar plexus and the navel, so the belly button. Good. Good, your heart chakra is great now. That feels much better. Yeah, solar plexus feels nice. Let's have a little look in the navel. So the navel governs our digestion, but and our ability to digest life and our personal boundaries. So do you have any digestion things going on at the moment? Any, or not really? Not that I know of really. And you did that healing on me 
last week and you said that my stomach is like oh like different balance and that really resonated with me because I and it was a physical thing actually because whenever I have a full stomach after I've eaten it always kind of bulges out just to one side and I oh wow and I was like that's so weird that you know yeah (laughs) yeah so but that feels like it sorted that that out a bit or just did something there maybe yeah yeah the navel feels okay but it doesn't it's not as strong as your the ones that you know the ones above it so what about any um so one question I love to pry into is how easy do you find it to say no with love so how comfortable do you feel to say no, to have really clear loving boundaries with everyone in your life, home, work? Wife? I think it depends on who it is. Actually, maybe I feel more comfortable saying no to the closest people to me than to maybe like general friends and that sort of side. I, I don't know. Well, so when you hear that people really like you and love you, it feels more comfortable when you're more worried I'm definitely a people pleaser I definitely look for people's appreciation and people's that's something which I I I know I need to work on is kind of being comfortable with myself and my own okay cool let's that will can be completely navel so let's look at that Mm, so say I now choose to release I now choose to release all people pleasing tendencies all people pleasing tendencies I release these through all time and space. I release these through all time and space. And all lifetimes. And all lifetimes. Breathing in and releasing out of the navel. Good. And just say, I no longer need to outsource approval. I no longer need to outsource approval. I choose to give myself approval. I choose to give myself approval. And just off, really offering it to you now, just saying, you know, in your words, because it'll feel better, but like, Jill, you're really great. Jill, you did such a good job this morning. Both boys got to school on time. Or, yeah, that uh, lunch you made was delicious. You know, like, yeah. speak, really, really approve of That yourself. feels really cringe to me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think because I've just I think it's a British culture thing is like don't be too egotistical like yeah okay you know so I mean? that's kind of where my head goes it's like oh no don't say that about yourself <laughs> yeah and there is there is that thing but let's clear that out because it's rubbish and when I think about me I now find that quite easy to be like yeah you're awesome you did that really great thing well done you you're a bit scared of doing it but you did it but yeah. yeah, go back 10 years and I might be like, yeah, anyone can do that. Don't make yeah. sure. <laughs> da, 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 you know, kind of. So yeah, so feeling into that cringe, feel the cringe. Don't kind of fight it. Like, yeah, that's it. And just say, I choose to release all embarrassment. I choose to release all embarrassment. All feeling of unworthiness. All feeling of unworthiness. And all fear that I'll make a fool of myself. All fear that I'll make a fool of myself. If I praise myself. If I praise myself. I release this thoroughly and completely. I release this thoroughly and completely. So be it. So be it. Breathing in. 
releasing out of the navel. Oh yeah, good. So that's great. So that really shows that when the client's kind of engaged and says, oh, this is how it makes me feel, we can get in deeper. You know, we can get to the root of what's going on. So just keep yeah, letting that go. Is it best to keep my eyes closed throughout or? Yeah, I find, you know, when I said at the beginning, I drop in, that's to me, if my eyes are closed, it's much easier. Mm. Um, and it's staying in that very slightly altered state where we can access the um, subconscious. Okay, being aware of yourself as a small child and being aware of any adult that kind of said, stop showing off in any way, you know, any, any teachers, caregivers, parents that kind of tried to shush you or shut you down when they thought you were being too much. It's that flavor that's coming through. Sending love to the younger version of you that thought they were too much and that they couldn't, couldn't shine in the world. So yeah, very British would be to say couldn't show off, but it's not showing off, it's shining. Being the brilliant that you are. Okay. Just say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. At any time. For any time. I felt like I wasn't good enough. Felt like I wasn't good enough. And I needed to shrink. And I needed to shrink. To keep others around me happy. To keep others around me happy. I'm so sorry for any time I felt too much. I'm so sorry for any time I felt too much. And I had to shrink. And I had to shrink. I'm sorry for all the shrinking I did. I'm sorry for all the shrinking I did. To make other people feel comfortable. To make other people feel comfortable. I no longer need to do this. I no longer need to do this. And I release this trauma now. And I release this trauma now. Breathing in, breathing out the navel. How's that feeling? Yeah, quite empowering. Good. Good. Okay, I guess that I naturally worry about maybe words like selfish, like being selfish if I, yeah. Yeah, okay. Just say I release all fear of being selfish. I release all fear of being selfish. Breathing in and breathing out and all the connotations that come with that. Good. Okay, let's try again. Just saying, yeah, I was, did a really great job this morning. You know, I did a really great job this morning. How does that feel in yourself? Yes, it, I kind better. of feel a bit better. <laughs> Cringy, but a bit better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is going to be your homework if you choose to yeah. accept it. Yeah. <laughs> work on it because it, you know, it's that thing, fake it till you make it. You keep saying it until you believe it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, and especially if you would love for your husband or your friend or your, you know, someone to be saying to you, hey, Jill, I really love the way you've painted that room. It looks great. You know, if you're looking for that external validation, which is fine, it's normal. 
but try giving it to yourself like mm. I really love the way that room looks I'm so glad I did that mm. and keep doing that and the interesting thing is when you start believing it other people reflect it back to you mm. and then you get it but when you're searching for it and you don't believe it, it mm. yeah it's much harder okay good I guess it's the things I feel insecure about it versus the things I maybe feel secure about. So like it's when it's something you yeah. feel insecure about naturally, then it's how to handle that one because there are certain things which I do feel like I'm good at. So that doesn't feel so alien, you know okay. what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, and let me tell you about bridging. So bridging is really helpful. So say, um, if we're talking about you know like loving the way we look okay and so you kind of go yeah I like my hair I've always liked my hair but I don't like the you know the bits on my arms the or whatever it is I don't like my fingernails or my knees or my tummy or whatever is the bit you don't like so you start with the hair and you're like I really like my hair I've got really great hair mm. and then you kind of go yeah my eyes I'm all right with my eyes yeah they're not perfect okay I really like my eyes my eyes are beautiful and you it's called like it's bridging so you kind of work on the things and so then say you know for me I've had a bit of a tummy thing in my life which um, so I'd start by you know doing I can see that curves are sexy you know and I'd maybe think of curvaceous people that I can see are sexy and like I'd kind of work around it until I can get back to, wow, my body is really sexy, beautiful, and I'm honoured to live in here. Mm. Um, but, you know, it could take me a few weeks to work up to that. Mm. Um, that would be really helpful for when working with affirmations, when working with positivity. And I think with the whole affirmation piece as well is it's not like you have to be saying it to the world. You can just be saying oh, no. it to yourself yeah, because, exactly. because if, if you're projecting that to the world, like, oh, I'm awesome, I'm amazing, blah, 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 then that probably will come across as egotistical. But Yeah, but actually, uh, if you really believe it, it won't. You know, I think it's when you're almost when you're in that faking it bit, when you're overcompensating and that's, you know, and it's kind of the process. But actually, if you think about people... Think of someone that you know that appears self-confident and humble. Like they're not in their, you know, they they don't, they're not searching, they're not calling on you to approve of them. They're just so happy in their own right that, mm. you know, and actually if I think about a friend we have in common, a lot of the time I feel with them that they are very just content in themselves and it's mm. very easy to be around them. Mm. Um, and then you might think of other people that really, you know, and it's really easy to be around people like that because they're not demanding or asking. Whereas if the person that doesn't believe it is going, do you like my hair? Am I good enough? Am I clever? Am I sorry, they're awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the bit that you just sort of think, oh, oh, you're a bit icky. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But when we embody it, it's not like that. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Good, right, your navel's feeling lovely. Good. And let's just breathe in and breathe out of your base chakra. So the base chakra is from the base of the spine down to, yeah, down towards the earth. And we actually haven't done the sacral chakra, but I don't feel called to look there right now. 
so that's just if anyone's watching and saying aren't there more chakras aren't there and it's like yeah there's lots more but plugging your roots into the ground and when I say that, what I mean is energetically feeling like there's energy coming out of the base of your spine, connecting into the earth, and then breathing up from the earth all the way into your base chakra, the base of your spine, your seat, your pelvic floor, breathing back down again. Breathing in and breathing the energy up and breathing out. And repeat, I'm fully connected to the I'm present here. I am present here. I'm safe and secure. I am safe and secure. So be it. So be it. Good. Breathing in, that's it. Great. And then I just stabilize, stabilize, stabilize. I ask that Jill's energy be stabilized at this new high vibration and support her in her endeavours, her projects, her work, her life, so that she may shine more brightly with ease and grace, so be it. And then I just drop into my heart, I say thank you um, for this opportunity to do healing work. Thank you, thank you, thank you, good. And then that's it, just opening your eyes, coming back and yeah, feeling how you feel in your body so yeah how was that do you have any questions anything you want to ask we unpicked a bit I know as we went which worked yeah that's I mean it's really interesting do you want to start by just in the most basic sense explaining what chakras are oh no. okay good point good point yeah people might not know so yeah so our chakras are energy vortexes that hold software and information about us. So they generally come out. So like if I think of the third eye, the one that people often know about the Ajna Chakra, most people's would come out like a couple of foot between like 30 centimeters and 50 centimeters ish from their body, probably be about this wide and they spin a little bit like a washing machine, back and forth, back and forth. And they're pulling energy from the environment, from nature or from, if we're not in nature, actually, they're pulling energy in and they're spitting out energy. And so, yeah, so they're pulling in energy, taking out energy. So when you were seeing me sweeping with my hands, that's what I call it, moving my hands, I was kind of getting in there and pulling the energy out. And then I was blessing clean energy in. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. And, and basically each chakra represents a different thing. I to talk through as you, as you were going. But the chakra thing is something which is all Eastern medicine, isn't it? It's used in... It comes from the Vedic um, tradition. Yeah. Um, and the, which is the yeah. thing behind yoga. Could those yeah. Yeah. So it's different from the meridians, which I think are more Chinese, um, Japanese basis. Yeah, chakras are more Vedic. Yeah. And, and yeah, and yoga has really, my understanding of yoga, because actually yoga as we see it in the west which is movement and fitness that isn't mm. guess what yoga is so i say i practice back to yoga back to yoga is the art of devotion my mm. spiritual path is one of devotion there's no movement involved in that that's me opening my heart up and it's back to yoga mm. um, and then you get hatha yoga which you know kundalini yoga all these different types of yoga but yoga is the path 
that opens up the chakras that connects with the divine. That's kind of where its source comes from. And yoga as a physical practice was done before meditating to allow the mind to still so you can access that connection. Mm. Um, and within a Vedic tradition, when I say access the divine, that divine is not separate from you. So in a Christian tradition, God's seen as external. Mm -hmm. In the Vedic God's seen as internal, as an integral part of us. I really love that concept. That really resonates with me. The sort of your inner wisdom, inner gut, you know, your body already knows, your mind already knows. I really love what you said earlier about, you know, messages just coming into your brain and you just feel like, oh, I kind of I did know this all along, but I didn't kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I think that's a really beautiful thing. So, so that's great. What else might people? It's a shame. I, in a way that we will have to do like a live one, maybe it's something oh, right. I haven't kind of dabbled with yet, but I'd love to do that with you at some point, Laura, so we could uh, almost ask people to, or ask people to almost send in questions. I think that would be a really interesting thing about a subject like what you do, because it's, it's, it's something which I'm sure not just me, but lots of people have lots of questions about. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. So that would be really interesting. I, I guess the one which sort of came to me last time and still is interesting, and I'd like to go into a bit, is how do you do this virtually? And you kind of talked about what you do not having a space time yeah about that? So, Go into that, so that I'm working um so I'm working energetically in a I'm not working on the physical body I'm not fixing I mean I, it's got, I kind of can do some work around broken bones and stuff distantly I'm, I'm still doing it energetically yeah so I guess my my belief and, and the belief of Shakti Durga, Shakti Durga teaches us brilliant talk of the V diagram. It's quite hard to sort of, um, it's much better if I could have shown you, but it's basically a V and at the you bottom- You can always is, add it into the blog post. So, yeah. yeah. So the, the, at the bottom is the physical hmm. and then there's the energy body, which is our chakras, our meridians, where we're working. Then there is the conscious, there's mind, it's the astral field. So it's our thoughts, our beliefs, those things. Then there's the soul realm, the realm of our soul, and that's our individuated piece of divine. Mm -hmm. And then there's the divine realm, which is the oneness with everything, where everything is completely connected. And so it's kind of like this, and your V diagram is connected to my V diagram in the divine realm. And then mm -hmm. we have these approaching bits that separate it. And so the physical realm at the bottom, you're, um, you know, in your near Aspie guys, aren't you? I, yeah, mm. that way. And I'm in Northampton. Mm. Yeah, you know, we're physically 20 miles apart. And that's, that's kind of a fact. When we're talking about your chakras, they, that part, are not bound by time and space. So I can, I can tune into your chakras as you're sitting there now. I can actually tune into your chakras when you were seven, or I can tune into, yeah, your chakras if you're in Australia, like which is mm. thousands of miles apart. Mm. And I guess, yeah, people that go, whoa, don't get it, da da da. Mm. It's like, well, maybe try experience it, see, mm. uh, you know, if that's something you'd like to. Maybe it's just not for you. But my mm. spiritual leader's 
based in Australia and my training was based in Australia and so yeah most of the energetic work and healings I've had have been thousands and thousands of miles apart and I kind of think well it's work because my life's transformed so it works yeah yeah. you know yeah my relationships have transformed so when you drop in and you see or you analyze someone's chakras do you actually see colors do you see energy in your mind's eye or actually physically Um, I'm I'm quite visual so when I saw your boys, I saw the back of their heads. I saw them mm. wearing blue tops. I could see mm. that. I can see chakras, but I haven't always been able to. Like the sin chakras is quite new and it doesn't come through every single time. Sometimes it's a knowing. Like mm. I just go, stop now, change now, do this. When you say, I feel a blockage there, that's something you feel rather than something you see. Yes. Yeah, I know. I guess my language would say that. So I, I can sometimes have a felt sense in my body. Mm. So I can sometimes feel it like physically in my body. You'll feel a lump. Like you'll feel yeah. like, oh, that's or a... like a strain tore out. Or I can feel gas and wind in my own stomach. I can actually feel physically sick sometimes. Mm. Um, I mean, I know it'll pass. And it's the language of intuition. So it's a clair. So we have clairvoyance, clairsentient, clair. I don't even know. I've heard of those things, but I don't really know what they are. (laughs) Clairvoyance is seeing. So when you see on the inner plane, clairessence, I think, I assume is smelling when you can smell. Some people smell. I don't really smell. Maybe I've had smell come through a bit, but I, I have quite a good knowing. And the more I trust myself and the more I tune into it, the more it comes through. And I, I think that's the same with everyone. You mm. can you can develop, you know, I've definitely developed mine. You can definitely develop yours. And what flavour comes through will be different for everybody, but it's an inner knowing. Mm. And it doesn't really matter whether, you know, my ego used to love the fact that I get 3D imagery and I could see stuff and I could, but... But, you know, and then that went away completely for quite a long time and the knowing came through. Mm. Um, and I was like, actually, that's more useful. That's more helpful. And now I've kind of embodied the knowing, the other things come back. Mm. But it really is different. Like, you know, if someone says to me, oh, can you tell me what da 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 is? I'm like, probably not, maybe. Mm. You know, like, it's, yeah. I feel like I, I get more open to the ideas of different new things as as I get older in a way and there was one for me because I did always avoid sort of because you've done readings I don't know if you call them tarot card readings or spiritual cards or whatever and it was something I avoided for so many years because I didn't want anyone to like because I didn't understand it I was like oh why something terrible comes up and you know, I was all yeah, going like that. And I remember talking, it was a bit of a game changer of a conversation with the girl I used to work with. And she said to me after I had the boys, actually, because just for those, anyone who doesn't know the story, um, having twins was a complete and utter surprise. To our knowledge, we have none in the family, even though officially they are the genetic type. It, they couldn't really give me a reason for why it happened. It was just a surprise at the 12 week scan. And, and this girl said to me, who I worked with, she was like, well, what if you had had a reading like two, three years before you decided to have children and they had, had picked out, oh, you know, you might have twins one day or there was something around that, then it would have been a seed of an idea in your head. And then maybe when you 
when it actually happened, it wouldn't have been so shocking to you because I really suffered with like this. I mean, I labeled it myself as being post-traumatic because I felt like tidal waves of like things which I'd never considered were just thrown at yeah. me. You know, I, I and I, it wasn't I was sad about it. It was just that it was so it was different to the life I thought, yeah, I was going to have. And it was suddenly like, bam, you're having twins. Bam, you're having boys. Because everyone had girls in my family. That was another one. And then bam, they're premature and everything you plan for, you know, and you went into labour. And, and, and I kind of ended up with sort of my insomnia and anxiety and definitely sort of postnatal depression spectrum stuff kind of happened sort of 18 months later on after they were born which is actually very yeah. common common so I found out since that these things end up being delayed because you're in survival mode yeah initially. yeah yeah but when I sort of tried to describe it to a therapist I was like as I said it felt like tidal waves hitting me like that mm. and and it just really resonated with me what that colleague said to me because I thought, ah, oh, you know, if I had had some, even if it hadn't come to fruition, even if I had just thought, oh, well, that's a possibility that could have happened. Yeah. It would have been so shocking. Do you know what I'm saying? Saying about this seed being planted, it could have helped you to be more open-minded. And I guess that's where I'd go with clients is really helping them look at sort of where they're, you know, like limited and not, not experiencing stuff. I mean, people read tarot cards differently. People read cards. I don't, I don't read for the future. I don't, I don't tend to have that ability. That isn't how I would do it. It would be more like if you said to me, can you read my cards for the energy around having a family? Mm. Then I could read that and there might be, yeah, that, yeah. I don't know who knows what the cards would have said and what would have come up. But mm. to me, it would be like, yeah, what, how can I support myself in order to prepare for it? Or how can, you know, or that kind of thing. I don't know, it's different. I'm not an expert tarot reader by any means. No. I dabble and I, I love them. They, they give me quite good guidance. One I, I kind of love to remember, which this may actually resonate. So a couple of years ago, I, I work, I freelance and do some work um, for a guy as well as my spiritual healing. And I was reading my cards around finances and my work. And the tower card came up. The tower card literally shows a tower on fire with people jumping out the window mm. to their death. And I was sound positive. No, I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not what I wanted. You know, I wanted reassurance that everything would kind of be yeah. okay. But uh -huh. this card says to me, there's going to be a dramatic ending. Like it's a dramatic mm. ending. So I knew a dramatic ending was coming, and it allowed me to prepare for that. And to start thinking about, okay, what's going to come next? I've got to allow this to end because if actually I started gripping and controlling and trying to hold on to what was there, it would have just been more painful. Mm. Um, and actually, it really did help me get my head in the right space, get in the right space so that when that dramatic ending came, I thought, okay, I'm ready to let it go. Now I'm ready to be a full-time healer. Yeah, so that's, really yeah, interesting. that's similar. Do you want to just sort of tell people if you've got anything coming up and what offerings you have at the moment and where to find you, I'll obviously list it all physically with the links and yeah. the blog post and everything. But if you just say it verbally for now. 
Yeah, thank you. So yeah, I'm based in Northampton and I do see clients in, in Northampton. I, every Thursday, I run a group meditation. It's a drop-in meditation. I offer it as a pay what feels good so that people can come along. That is the healing meditation I talked about at the beginning. I have a small group meditation in Oni on Tuesdays. Oni is a small town in Buckinghamshire, kind of in between where Jill and I live. Once a month, I'm in London running an in-person workshop. I collaborate with my sister, who is also a spiritual um, energetic healer. So we run oh, those. Oh, interesting. Together. Yeah, that's, that's another great story. We've yeah. Got Put that um, on the talk to list. We'll add that in. <laughs> What else do I have coming up? So, and then I run these retreat mornings that Jill Kate has come to a few of, but they are monthly. They are in Brockborough, just by Junction 13. They meditation, massage and yoga with time for teas and coffees and cakes afterwards and time to chat. They're really beautiful um, events. We call them R&R. &R. I'm very passionate about slowing down, doing less and looking after ourselves. So that's what they are. I think that's all that's coming to mind. Yeah, but, that's great. That's um, great. And we'll, we'll add in all your social media links and all your website and everything like that so people can contact you. But fundamentally, she does sort of obviously one-to-one -one stuff and group stuff. And yeah, I can highly recommend these R&R &R retreats. They are absolutely the way to fill up your cup, which I'm a great advocate for because we, we can't feed from an empty cup. We've got to keep looking after ourselves in order to give to the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much for your time, Laura. I really appreciate it and really enjoyed this conversation with you. So, yeah, me too. Thanks for all the great questions. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for, yeah. <laughs> Thank you.